Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. This is Pastor Welcome. Scott with Pastors Brian and Matt. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> I, I think you should use that voice for the rest of the, for the entirety. Maybe, maybe I will. <laughs> would be, this would be perfect. The <laughs> most rough. entertaining podcast. Brian doesn't ever. know anything about gravitas. What? I think you missed your calling, man. Radio announcer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, this yeah. might be the earliest any of us have said, why do people listen to this podcast? Yeah, no, it's... For the funnies. <laughs> what, maybe we need to start... start, start that. What, maybe that, that'll be the new opening. Why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. Today, we feel like people, um, e- even more so than our sermon series, we feel like people aren't talking enough about politics. Mm. So... What, what, what we want is, is, is more. We think that you're going to see the heading of this podcast and be like, that's what I want to spend the next 40 We're actually, minutes. We should doing. title it like uh, The Secret to Happiness. <laughs> and then it'll be... We, we, we Surprise politics. Surprise politics. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. No, but we're, so we're, we're halfway through the sermon series, right? It's been five weeks of a 10-week series. We hope that it's been as encouraging, helpful, challenging for you as I know it's been even just for us as we um, continue to wrestle through the application and implications of the different passages we've talked about, the truths we've talked about. But as we sit five weeks in with five weeks to go, some of you may be wanting more and wanting to get more detailed. Some of you might be done. You're like, five weeks was three weeks too many. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But we thought it would be helpful, particularly because all of the things we're talking about require such nuance, so much wisdom, um, to step outside of the sermon format and just reflect a little bit on the last five weeks on what we've talked about. Talk about some of the the ways that applying this is uh, challenging, but also some of the ways that we ought to be following God forward through this that maybe don't fit exactly into a, a sermon or haven't fit into a sermon over the last five weeks. So, um, yeah. So what do you guys think? Like, we're, <laughs> why don't we start with Brian, Matt? Brian, you've been, you, you preached for the last five weeks. What do you, uh, how are you feeling? <laughs> Actually, that's a great question. How do you, if I do say so myself, it's a good, great question. I think how it you is feeling a great question. It? I think it's great because we don't, people don't normally get to hear the the preacher's reflection on their own sermons. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I like that. There's a yeah. reason yeah. for that. Brian, yeah. how do you feel? <laughs> I feel um, pleasantly surprised at a series that to me was both intimidating and that I had some reticence about um, before we decided on it, like, you know, six months ago, um, that it has felt... Uh, for me, at least, appropriate and helpful. So, like, there's there's a, a piece of like, I, like it's a lot on politics. I've been I've been pleasantly surprised by that. I think personally, I've felt more clarity. I think that happens a lot when you're preaching something, though. You're you're, you're the one that kind of has to really parse through everything. Anytime mm-hmm. you have to teach something, you have to think about it just harder than receiving it. Yeah. But for me, there's been added clarity and um, and some nuance, but also just certain things. Where I'm like, no, this is just true, and I'm seeing it work itself out as I walk through a politicized world. Mm-hmm. So like I'm in it as much as anyone, you know, I'm actually trying to be on social media, like, mm-hmm. which is not, not my thing really. What's your, what's your um, Twitter handle? It's my name. Is it your name? <laughs> you don't have a secret one. 
Is it Brian P. Colmery? <laughs> a burner? <laughs> a burner account? <laughs> well, I mean, that sounds negative. I was just more like, um, I think, an anonymous account that you could you could go on and, and do things. How How is that not going to end up being a burner account? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Burner just sounds negative. Yeah, Anon- that's how anonymous. I meant it, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anonymity is a bad idea in social media. Oh, okay. Barring, right. barring a few exceptions. In I have like four like or five countries. burner accounts, <laughs> if that's what you want to call them. So... Just a heads up. It's a lot of hockey takes. Yeah, yeah. When, when, when Brian said it was a bad idea, it was it was aimed. Oh, it was, yeah, it was he was looked right at me comment. again. Yeah, it was an aimed comment. Again, yeah. there's only two of you in the room. <laughs> All right. Gotta love somebody. Sorry, yeah. I'm gonna start looking away. No, I, I, felt, I felt pretty good about it in, in some ways. I think there's also lots of, I really feel the weight of how complex a lot of this stuff is and how many different people with different experiences and contexts and situations um, are listening. And so I feel like there's so many ways I, I want, it's true of a lot of sermons, there's so many ways you want to do it almost one-on-one too, and be able to listen and provide feedback for someone's specific situation and desires and you know, angles on the way that they're thinking through these sorts of things. So that, yeah. that's something that I always think about. And especially now when I realize how many different people are, are even in our church are listening, you know, I, I think it's so, I think it's so important. And I'm, I'm so glad that this series is happening right now because I know that it is the the water that the fish of the world are swimming in at this moment, and it is everywhere. And uh, you know, Nicole uh, just took Owen to a, a a drive. They say drive by birthday party. That doesn't sound Not right. Sound no, it's like a you know a birthday party where they stay in their cars or whatever. Yeah. And um, there was a. Uh, an opportunity to to uh, kind of talk in, check in with people. And Nicole said every single person, these are not Christians, every single person is talking about politics. Hmm. Um, it's everywhere. And, and I think it's just so important for us to uh, fill the, um, uh, the space of my own heart and my own mind with biblical perspectives on these things rather than the tendency in a time like this, in a season like this, to just have so much input from uh, non-Christian worldviews and non-Christian perspectives on the world and everything else. Um, so I, I'm really glad that we've done this and I, uh, hope that it's been a blessing to everybody else out there to, to, um, that's been listening. Yeah. So, so we have, we haven't heard from you yet, Matt, we're going to hear from you in a couple of weeks in the, in the series. So as you reflect on the last few weeks, like what stood out to you? Like what's like, what are the things that I don't know have like stayed with you? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's been a, a variety of things. So I think about each of the sermons. Um, I think the first sermon was uh, really orienting and kind of recalibrating for my thinking on politics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the idea of centering sort of a lot of the political discourse that we're talking about on uh, fruits of the spirit because I, I, for me, you know, politics can so easily um, disintegrate into just uh, the chaos of. Uh, name calling and just horrible, horrible treating of one another. And the reality is if we cannot engage in this while manifesting the fruits of the spirit, then we're not coming from a place of following Christ. It's fruit of the spirit. It's singular. Just wanted to make, just wanted to felt like what, what, what this could use was a, uh, uh, an interjected correction. It seemed like that was the appropriate. What's the fourth fruit of the spirit? I'm trying to I'm trying to manifest it right now. Love, joy, peace, uh, and amazing appreciation. <laughs> Receptivity <laughs> to correction. That's right. That's right. 
Um, is this part of the? Is this part of the? Well, you know what? Um, you know what the fruits of the flesh are? Uh, dissension, enmity, strife, strife, action. Um, yeah, no, it's great. Uh, the fruits Division. of Division. The fruits of the spirit. So the no, the, no, no, the, no, it totally it orients <laughs> it. It is sweet. <laughs> This is awesome. I don't get a chance to be funny very often. I just wanted to, just wanted to take take. You gotta take the shots when you get. It. I love it. I love it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I forgive you. It's no big deal. the The truth is, the truth is that that uh, for me that I think the idea of our political engagement as tied to our devotion to Christ in that sense is yeah. like is huge. Yeah. And um, and I think that the the next sermon with that with idolatry as well, kind of this this um this ten tendency for this area of politics to be all consuming in some ways. And the way people talk about it is mm. this like ultimate reality, right? Like um, you see these things on either social media and it could be Christians or non-Christians just talking about it as like this final ultimate thing and having an eternal perspective that says, wait a minute, this is important, but not ultimate. Yeah. Uh, I think is so recalibrating for me in, in my engagement where I say, yes, I want to do this faithfully. I want to um, honor and respect the government. I want to, um, uh, uh, you know, engage politically and think about the principles that guide my political decisions and, and my political engagement. And yet I also know it's not ultimate and holding those two things together to me has been really um, uh, helpfully orienting in a season that is uh, so polarized and chaotic and hyperbolic, right? I mean, mm. so hyperbolic that says everything is the worst. This is the most important, whatever, you know, and they say that every time, mm. but the, the, and I'm not saying it's not important. It's just, it, it, it can be disorienting towards an eternal perspective when you hear that constantly. And mm. so it's been so helpful to have that biblical principle kind of reorient you around what actually is true. Um, yeah. Something to hold on to in a season of chaos. Yeah, I mean, I know for me, I think in in addition to the reorienting of the the how, and even the reorienting of like what is most important, mm -hmm. right? Reorienting those principles. There, there's been a, and I think that these go hand in hand. But it's it's a re for me, it's been a reorientation to a God centeredness in how I view the world, mm. right? Like there's this ultimate it is there's there's these ultimate principles there's this ultimate power there's this ultimate center that the thing i'm supposed to be captivated by and the thing i'm supposed to look to and it it just puts everything else in in relief and that that to me actually i it it's also given me a lot of peace as we think about these sermons and things like that i think one of the things that's been i know hard for you brian i think hard for us as we've talked about this is it, it feels like just there's just a ton of potential to get this wrong <laughs> or to say it wrong. To be misunderstood. Yeah, totally. To be misunderstood, to be to things, have things taken a different way. And to the extent that we can help people, re reorient people to a God-centered worldview, and that even all the examples we use do that, and you know all the, the, the questions we're trying to answer do that – that really then, in a sense, like, it, it, it takes care of itself because all the fallout, like what we all need every time we engage with someone, every time we think about these, and, and it, things are complicated, but we need this God-centered worldview that is captivated by the love and glory of Christ, that sees that as our ultimate, not only our ultimate hope, but also as our ultimate purpose, our ultimate reason for being here um, on earth. And that... Um, and and then it allows us from there to actually have 
it frees us to have helpful conversations. It frees us to change in our views, to be open to considering. It, it, it frees us to be able to gently um, correct others and point them to truth. Right? It, it, it frees us just from all the things I feel like in the world are um, uh, otherwise entrap us. Yeah, and, and I think that freedom... It, it helped. I would say it, it. It has helped me make sense of a world that's often hard to understand. Mm. Like, why are we? Why is it the way that it is? And it, it can be very disorienting, especially when um, Christians in the public sphere have a particular approach to some of these issues, and you're kind of figuring out why do I disagree? Like, what? Like, so having that be kind of that God-centeredness be sort of the anchor that guides us mm -hmm. through and I'm mixing metaphors here, but the, the, <laughs> that guides us through, um, before Scott corrects me, that, uh, <laughs> that guides us through, um, this, this season in this process, I think is so, is so helpful. Um, it's so helpful for, for me. It has been helpful for me. I hope and pray it's been helpful for the people who are, are our church community who's engaging in this season. Um, and I hope, I really hope and pray people aren't, um, listening and dismissing things because it doesn't, perfectly match what they already feel about a particular thing. Yeah. Um, and if you're here and you're listening and you're thinking, man, all these things don't fit what I'm, I, I, I'm hoping and praying for soft hearts uh, across the board. Um, yeah. and, and that's, that's not because um, I think everybody's wrong. It's just because uh, I, our intention and our hope in this series has been to be helpful in that way. And, and, um, and I hope you don't miss that. Okay. So, so let's, let's, expand on that a little bit what, what are some of the ways do you think so we, we talked about how we it's hit us and how it, this has been a reflection for us but how do you think people might be struggling with what they're hearing like when you think about it, i know i mean i know we all talk to people as well like wh what are some of the ways that i don't know reflecting on it you recognize or want to speak to wish you could have said more hmm. in a sermon brian or you know wish wish we could have the opportunity to say more or in different ways in, in one way the entire series comes with it comes at a cost hmm. um because as you talk about politics this directly i think for some people it might be unspoken but there is either an awareness and a uh, maybe a semi-negative reaction to or a, a lack of awareness, which might be, I don't know, worse. Um, but when you talk about politics this directly, you start making it sound, without meaning to, you just can't help in a 10-week series, you make it sound like uh, God fits into politics when politics fits into God. Mm. Um, and so by focusing this directly, I think for a lot of people, especially thinking oh, five more weeks, you're like, we're doing this for five more weeks to talk about politics. And I think especially the first five weeks had to focus very directly on politics as a thing that we experience and kind of talk about how it relates to God and the next five weeks which we might talk about later on the podcast but is is getting a little more expansive and saying here let's talk more about God and, and then let's let's see how that applies to politics which is a better way to do it but you can't not do the first part mm -hmm. um, and so that's something that I think people might be might be struggling with a little bit or not know they're struggling with and they they should mm -hmm. we should struggle with the idea that looking at something this directly is going to maybe give it an outsized importance relative to God even if what we're saying is that God is ultimate and it isn't. So all of a sudden you're just thinking more about politics during your week. <laughs> and so it, that's a, 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 something that's necessary. And I still think this is a good series, but something to be aware of 
that you can begin to to get a little narrowed in your focus on politics. Which is one of the reasons why there was hesitance right. on even doing the sermon series, right? It's yeah. uh, it's it, just to clarify, give everyone kind of uh, uh, insight into how it works behind the scenes. We don't want to do something and put something in front of you that will confuse you about what's most important. And yeah. so that's why there's hesitance, not because we don't see it as an important thing that you need to learn about that, that, that God speaks to, but that there can be sometimes misunderstandings of why we do what we do. Yeah, you know, it's, I think it's really interesting, even when you talk about where we're headed, and we will talk about that maybe in more detail in a little bit, but I think one of the things people are struggling with, like, they heard this sermon last Sunday about principles, right, about how that applies, and it, it's hard because things are so complex. I think what people would prefer is to see this last Sunday as like a turn. And then now we're going to spend the next five weeks getting really specific. Right. Right. About <laughs> like voter guide. Yeah. Like, he, like here are the principles and and here, you know, let's try to flesh them out. Um, but we're not going to do that. So why? Like what? Why is I mean, why is this last Sunday, Brian, as specific as we're going to get? That's a really good question. Um, I, I think that. One of the re- I mean, there's lots of reasons. One reason is because um, in a Sunday morning context, speaking with the authority of the local church, it's about as specific as I want to get right now. And mm-hmm. I think as we want to get yeah. where we're speaking with like the binding authority of God's word from behind a pulpit mm-hmm. in a sermon. I, I want to be real careful to not bind people's consciences about specific policies and to not give them Examples are helpful, but to not say, let's go down the road where now that example is going to take on a life of more than an example. Um, I want to be really, really clear about the principles that are binding and that we do stand by and that have to matter for politics, like we said on Sunday. I also just want to be, and that's only one reason, I just want to be very careful about saying, okay, so now here's how Christians do this mm-hmm. <laughs> and then kind of get all the way down the line. Um, and also because another reason is because it really is very complicated um and and trying to work that out a a sunday sermon context is not the best place for that not just because the authority but because of the the kind of thing we're talking about is that because it belongs on facebook absolutely um (laughs) no i I mean i i think about i I would hope that what this series does and we're going to get again we're going to get there in the back half in some ways especially towards the very end I hope this spurs on a culture at Cornerstone that I think already exists, but that really doubles down on it. That is one where these kind of conversations, how do we do this? What are the principles? How do we, how do we figure out when it comes to these specific, you know, propositions or, or all the different political things that are going to continue in, in our future, that that's the place where that happens and that it happens in deep, difficult conversations. It happens amongst the pastors and with the pastors and with the people there. We could do it in even a panel style thing would be great. There's lots of ways that those things can be uh, chased down that might, that would be better, I would say. And I think we would say than one person getting up on a Sunday morning and preaching a sermon about it. Mm. This is um, this is harder. It, it's a lot easier. To, and there's a lot of churches that do it that give you a voter guide. You know, we joke yeah. about it, but that's like a real thing for probably a significant portion of especially evangelical churches. And if not, there's a an assumed voter guide yeah. that is uh, – in most instances in the evangelical church is just vote along with Republicans, but there's also churches that are more progressive that say just vote along with Democrats. Yeah. 
and it's easier that way. And there's a lot of ways in which um, this is comparable to kind of, I think, also being a multi-ethnic church. Mm. When you are a church that is intentionally, purposefully diverse and united around Christ and Christ alone mm -hmm. and not uh, social, socioeconomic, political culture, it's uncomfortable in some ways to do this. There are people in our church, I'm sure, who would prefer to have a church that everyone agrees with their political opinions. Mm -hmm. It would be easier. It would be easier. And so for us, providing that the principles that guide a variety of diverse practical application in the arena of politics is a way to equip the church to engage the world, I think, well with biblical principles, but not be tied down in one particular political group mm -hmm. um and that's harder and we recognize it's harder so if you're in your, your community group and you're you lean more on a progressive or liberal side and you have a lot of you know republicans in your group or whatever and we, we understand the tension that you might feel in this instance but having those conversations engaging on this topic talking about principles asking god to soften your heart towards what god has called you to as a, a christian citizen of this country um, and, and engaging in ways that honor God and love your neighbor and live out the principles you've, you've come to. And that might mean you agree or disagree on certain political things in terms of application, but those principles are guiding you is so huge to modeling what it means to be committed to Christ first and foremost above everything else. Yeah. And, and I think that, that if we're going to model that, if we're going to model the reality of Christ being first and foremost in our relationships, then that's most... For something really difficult, that's most easily done in person, in real relationships. I think that's made a little bit harder, right, right now, in with everything else going Slightly. on. Slightly, <laughs> but th that's why I why I, I think we we need to still prioritize this. Like we we need to do the hard work of prioritizing relationships with one another that are having conversations with one another, not relegating these conversations to public platforms like social media, right? But having engaged conversations with one another in the body of Christ, where we're where we're striving to love one another and we're striving to learn from one another and we're striving to to identify our principles together and then discussing right how those flow out in in our and recognizing that like there's not even like a I mean yes we have to vote in a certain number of days but this ought to be a lifelong journey like I, I want to have a conversation now because it's one step in just the continued way that God is growing me to have his heart more and more um, and I don't have to like cram it all in in the next 20 days and then not do it again <laughs> right like yeah there, there might be some time sensitivity to some of these conversations but we ought to be having these broader conversations ongoing conversations with one another learning from one another and and gleaning from one another um and, and not dismissing one another because we're assuming certain things about one another's politics. And, and, and what I, I think what's fascinating is a lot of these principles that we're talking about, yeah. they apply way beyond just politics too, Absolutely. right? Like, so it's so fascinating yeah. because we're taking principles that should affect your life every single day that every person in this world is made in the image of God, that you are called to love your neighbor as yourself, that you're called to, um, you're called to uh, love the poor and the powerless and care for the poor. And the, like those are things that don't, shouldn't just affect your politics. They should affect your life yeah. and your engagement with this city and your engagement with your neighbor and your engagement with the community around you. And so there's a sense in which those principles can lead and guide us. I know some of the most conservative politically people in our church who are 
deeply engaged with loving and serving the homeless. That's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. That's how it should be, right? Yeah. Like, because there's a perspective that, oh, if you're conservative, you don't care about the poor. No, these are people that maybe have come to certain political positions based on principles, whatever. We can talk about that. But in their life, every day, day in and day out, yeah. are engaging with and loving and caring for their neighbor, living out those principles. And to me, that is what it, that is what, um, that's why this is so much bigger than politics. This is about following Christ in society. Yeah. And in the context of politics, how you vote and those kinds of things is one application of that. Mm-hmm. But it affects everything in your life. And so we want to see community groups engaged in those principles and mm-hmm. living out those principles, whether there's an election or not. Mm-hmm. This affects everything in that, yeah. in that way. Well, in that sense, when, when you want to ask sort of, do you want to chase down these principles? Like we've been doing this for 10, 15 years. That's what years. we do. Yeah, yeah. so like, like the principles are there. I think that what's what the series has helped demonstrate, I think for me, and hopefully for, for people who have been listening along, is that we don't often make that connection. And especially mm, right. the, this yeah. last sermon is one that kind of tried to bring that out. But we know the principles, I think, for the most part. We just haven't really thought through how they matter for something like politics. Um, and that's so that's there. I also think that it's helpful to think about wisdom a little more carefully um, because I think most people think of wisdom, at least is how I was kind of raised um, in, in the church to think about it uh, as it's a moment by moment thing you're given for a specific decision, you know, like at some level. You, and I think if the, in the Bible in Proverbs and other places of the Bible, wisdom is something you're meant to grow into mm-hmm. um, and to become someone out of whom wise decisions come. And we've talked about that before, I think, in, in sermons here or there, but it's not very common to think about it that way in my experience, where it's more, we you got, in, the simple way to put it is that, you know, we want God to give us answers and he wants to give us wisdom. Mm. Um, and he does give us answers sometimes on the way. It's not quite that simple. But part of the reason why we need to be working through the principles and how they connect is because God wants us to become wise people. Mm-hmm. And not just sort of get simple answers. I think the voter's guide is it actually sabotages growth mm-hmm. because it does not allow you to grow as someone into a wise person. Mm-hmm. You know who likes the voter guides? The parties like the voter guides. That's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the truth of the situation. They like the voter guides and make it simple. They can count on those votes. They don't have to. But but the reality is Christians should be. And you said it to today. Brian, this is we're recording on Sunday after the, the message. You said um, you can be a, a Democrat, but you can't be a Democrat all the way. You can be a Republican, you be, can't be a Republican all the way. There's a sense in which Christians, whatever political persuasion you end up at, you need to be the conscience for that party. You need to be the conscience mm. for that for that community. That's a you great need, way to put you it. Need to be, you, you need to bring the Christian worldview to bear upon the principles that are being elaborated on and you you need to be you need i mean i love that the thought of in many ways we as christians should be the conscience of the nation <laughs> in that sense um and there's something really powerful about that there's something too that's nice about i, I think it's about things broader than politics i really like being a christian in los angeles mm-hmm. i like being a christian in a place there's upsides to being a christian somewhere else as well but to be in a place where kind of the intellectual and cultural and social climate is pushing against you, it forces you to think, you can do one of two things. Ideally, it forces you to think really carefully mm-hmm. because nothing's taken for granted. You can't say anything and people are like, oh yeah, of course. 
So you have to make sure that what you're saying is true and accurate and wise. It forces you to grow in wisdom. It forces you to justify what you believe from scripture and talk about, you know, your presuppositions and talk about how to do these things well and how they map onto life around you. The other option is it can kind of push you away and push you out of, so, so you can live in LA, but you're not really in LA. You're kind of in an enclave of people who think like you, where you can say something in a Christian and they say, oh, of course. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to. So in politics, I think it's very similar. Being the conscience of a party requires you to have to think really hard because no one, people don't really like their conscience that much. <laughs> like, yeah. And so for they try to suppress it most of the time. Yeah. And so for you to try and even if you're not like doing that super vocally at like a party meeting or something, which most people aren't. You have to internally be the kind of person that says, no, I have to really be careful. I can't just say stuff that's super general and vague and just run with it. I have to think. I have to to be careful, which is another thing that I do want to mention, something that as I've been preaching, Mm. um, I've bumped into personally, is that there have been times when I've been so busy with the various COVID changes, my large family, and prepping the sermon series. And I'm back in school now, so it's like this, that. Um, that I'm, I'm prepping the sermon and I'm like, I don't know if I have time to do the things I'm telling people to do. (laughs) And so I think for a lot of people, maybe some of you are in a position where you're like, no, I feel like life is sort of quote unquote normal right now, give or take. I have the space to be able to say, yeah, let me chase down. I want to learn about these propositions and I want to like, you know, I want to go from biblical principles to wisdom and think really hard and do a lot of research about that. Other people, I think because of the situation that you are in that's providentially ordained, the callings that you have, which might not leave a lot of capacity, puts you in a place where you don't have, hearing me say, hey, like you you need to care about this. You need to know how your biblical principles affect your vote. It overwhelms you. Mm-hmm. It makes you go, I don't know. I don't have time right now to think about anything, let alone that. And I do want to encourage and say it's it's different. Um, there is, there is, I shouldn't say it's different. There's a way to live out the calling to be a good citizen such that you are making an informed vote without having to devote 10 hours a week to learning about each thing. Mm. Like there's ways to have these conversations and to do that where you are being faithful, even though other people might have the ability to do more and being in conversation with them can help with that too. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's really interesting because I think that is such an important reality or I'm sorry, such an important point to consider because I think a lot of people feel overwhelmed. Right, but a lot of people feel overwhelmed by the fact that we have an accountability to how we vote and how we engage. Um, but I think that you, you answered it even earlier, right? Because you were talking about both principles and wisdom. I mean, it's, it's the 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 sermon as well. And the reality is, we've been teaching and meditating on these principles as long as we've been Christians. Yeah. Right. This this isn't like there isn't like it, its own unique set of principles for voting. Like if you've been a Christian and trying to apply the word of God to your life, you've been meditating on and applying these principles. And so the call is simply to use the principles that you have for life. Like you said, Matt, for the everything, every other area of life, applying them to this area. And then the call is to, to grow into wisdom, right? To continue to. And so hopefully I'm going to, as a Christian, increasingly as I, grow through my life, be growing into wisdom, have increasing amounts of wisdom, seeking wisdom from others and input, and that I'm going to be... Now, I think it's interesting. I think if, if I'm only ever becoming... If my, if my views haven't changed for 30 years and I'm just becoming more and more entrenched with it, I'm, 
I'm then not, you were right at the beginning. <laughs> I'm not sure that's wisdom, right? <laughs> right? Like oh, oh, wisdom. Oh, 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 I, you were going a different direction. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> wisdom requires right a, a teachability. Uh, the fact that I, I'm going to assume I I don't have it all right, and I think that when you say that we're we have an accountability to how we vote, I think people hear you have to do it exactly right. Right. But I think what we're saying is you have to do it principle. You're going to be held accountable for the fact that you do it out of your principles and using wisdom, as opposed to you. Ha- I hope you get the right. You make the right choice because if not, you're going to you know be held accountable for that. Yeah, and I think too, that's a really helpful observation because I think that is what gets heard. And what I would want to say pretty quickly is that. The way that the Bible shows us how God looks at people, he looks on the heart and and there's so much grace for people who are saying, I want to do everything you've called me to do. And I find myself unable to put in the time I'd like to do here and there. Like I care about what God says and how he's asked me to love my neighbor this way. And I was able to put in not as much time as maybe I would have liked versus someone who says, I know God wants that, but I don't really care. Mm. Those are two fundamentally different positions. And there's so much grace for the first one because mm. the first one's got a soft heart. Mm-hmm. And the second one's a hardening of heart that says, well, whatever. Um, and that's just any, anytime that's your approach to God, it's, it's, it's a bad spiritual sign. So the idea of trying to say, look, you're going to get, you don't need to get it exactly right. You need to care. Mm-hmm. And that, and th- that caring goes a long way towards uh, what we're trying to do as Christians in the world. I think one of the I think we're still in the section of what people struggle might be struggling with. Sure. Hearing. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows where we are? What <laughs> point are we on, Brian? Point one, two or three. three. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the I think there are a lot of people who are hearing who who hear everything about politics in the binary. And I think that uh, if you think of politics, if you're out there and you think of politics as like my side is right and the other side is evil and you know, from the devil, then you're going to be struggling with some of the nuance that we're talking about. You'd prefer that we would come out on the side of you and not the side of the devil. And I think actually that really heightens a lot of the rhetoric about, um, about politics that happens on social media or whatever. And by the way, I just want to say something about social media. (laughs) It deserves all of the hits I, t- I take. Up. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> there's a lot of hits. I just want to say when I was in high school, I had a politics blog on live journal called Marina politics. That was, it was, uh, it went viral before that was even a thing. There was at least five or six people from my English class, uh, junior year of high school that were engaged with Marina politics. Why it was, was it Marina? The that's the name of our high law? school. That's oh, okay. the name of our high school. Marina. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but the, the, I just want to say it was very, very, I'm very proud of what I wrote those long years ago. <laughs> and there's, but one of the things I was going to say is if you are going to engage on social media, a lot of these principles can be applied here, right? Yeah. Talking about yeah, humility, totally talking can. about love. Totally if you're can. going to engage, yeah. there's a, a way to engage properly. But um, the heightened rhetoric comes with this very strict binary. And you might be frustrated with our series because we're not neatly fitting into that binary. Um, I don't think that binary is as real as you might think it is, mm. is what I'd say. Um, and I think that there's reasons why that is the case. And the nuance that we're describing in this series is the nuance of, I honestly think, pastoral ministry and engaging with people over the years and seeing the fact that the world is not as black and white and simple as we like to think it is. Yeah. Um, and there are people out there and there's 
politicians out there and there's situations out there and structures out there that want the binary because it makes things easier for them. And uh, I would challenge you to to uh, uh, hear something different yeah. um, and hear and see people as they are and hear the nuance of what we're trying to describe. You know, I mean, I, I don't know, even... I don't know if I want to say this, but I do want to say it. <laughs> we can give you some time when, to think. When I you think about, yeah, I, I'll, I'll edit it out. I'll okay, just yeah. it, a long pause, and then I'll. Uh, there, I think this is this series is probably hardest for people who see things in the binary. Yes, and the more that you see things in the binary, the harder it is. And I'm a little bit afraid that for some in our who I would consider in our family that tend to think about things in the binary I, I'm afraid they're not hearing it at all because they tuned out weeks ago and aren't listening to this podcast and haven't listened to a sermon in a few weeks and are like you know what I'll yeah I'll just join up later and I'll, or I'll join up later or I won't because it, it does, this doesn't fit my worldview. And I, I would just in, encourage you as like, if, if you know, if, if those are people in your community group, if those are friends of yours, if those are people in your life, like, like let, I'd encourage you, like, let's chase them down together. Um, let's love, let's show love and grace, not writing people off, but also not just like leaving people to, to idols. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, I, the, the, and this is a time, it's a particularly a time because we're, we're doing this. I, we never, ever, ever in a million years wanted to do this over a screen. Yeah. Like, and I, in fact, the fact that we are doing it over a screen was one of the m- reasons we strongly considered not doing it. But we thought it was important enough to have these conversations. But the fact that we are doing this while separated in this way makes uh, some of this really, really hard. And as pastors, we can't do all of that um and so i, I would just encourage you to, if you're listening to this like like just as, as you're loving those around you as you're loving one another like l- let's strive to have the hard conversations and pursue one another as a family even when it you know it, it might be easier to be like oh well this what the series does is it gets rid of our political diversity and just and then we're a monolith of people who think that you know things are just really gray like that that's not the goal at all um because it's not that's not the reality that's not even the reality among us it's not the reality among our pastors it's not the reality of the church god is building so i i think there's just a call in this and in this moment it's one of the things that burned in my heart to for us to to chase after one another and to be willing to have the hard conversations um and engage so i i don't know I don't, well, know. Helps I, to, I, I don't know. I don't know if I actually should say. Maybe we'll add it. And if that. you're one of those people and you're listening and you're frustrated, you can also talk to us. Totally, well. of course. Brian at cornerstonewla.org <laughs> is the right person. To That's talk the. Email. To. I mean, you know, like you know us. You know us. You know us, and you know that. And you won't be we written off. With you won't be no. dismissed. We love you, and we, we're here. And and, and we want to learn from you too. Like we want to engage. One of the important things um, to keep at the forefront of our minds in that situation is that it really isn't an us and them situation. It would a binary this too, right? You know, it's yeah. kind of like those who are binary yeah. and those who aren't. Um, the, the way that this has struck me, this series, and one of my concerns um, is that because 
you are forced to push back against simplistic or reductionistic ways of looking at politics that reduce everything to kind of party lines um, and therefore give them an ultimacy they don't deserve. When you have to do that, um, you end up pushing on it so hard that you feel like if you have any kind of eclecticism <laughs> about mm. your political persuasions, you're safe mm. um, and you're not. The, the truth is, it's, it, for me, as the, the one doing a lot of the preaching right now, it has been extraordinarily easy for me to, in theory, and for all intents and purposes, like totally, like we completely agree that, yeah, of course, the other side has good points. <laughs> like, um, the, th the way I think has weaknesses and to try and get into the nuance. But the truth is that I, on the ground, it is ridiculously difficult to feel like you have a visceral and biblical reaction to a certain policy or candidate or whatever and not just assume you're right and only theoretically think someone else has something to say. It's just really, really hard. And I think so just the fact that you have an eclectic mix of positions or that you happen to know that nuance is involved doesn't mean that we've actually done anything. Hmm. Maybe we're just eclectically proud and eclectically ignoring you know how we we can learn and grow in wisdom and be loving and show the fruit of the spirit and so that we it's all of us that are dealing with sin and self-worship that need to walk through this together and so for yeah. people who might happen to be more partisan in it that doesn't make them different it just means they're doing what i'm doing in a different way yeah and so we're all together we're all fighting the same battle um and so we need to love one another enough to be able to help each other with those things yeah and there are ways that my uh, lazy eclecticism um, mm. can be helpfully addressed and corrected by someone who might be more partisan mm -hmm. um, in certain ways. And, we're, and we both need to correct each other and work towards health. And health means following Christ through the biblical principles he has and then growing in wisdom. Yeah. And so like, I, I just think we, it's helpful to reckon with the fact that it's not a win to simply not be partisan right now. Um, it's a win to love Jesus and to reckon with the sin in your own heart and the pride that creeps up so easily and that we are often self-deluding ourselves about. So hopefully that's coming across too, is that there's, this is a, a universal weakness, not just people who like happen to care more about politics. Yeah. We're all doing this because we all are in the same boat of dealing with, you know, the flesh and the world and the devil. Mm. And there's grace for that. And, and like totally. there's, and that's one of the other hard parts about the series is that yeah. you feel like you kind of don't get to spend as much time on some of those things, but that connects you to that larger picture of what it means that Jesus came to save us and to stand in our place for us and to sacrifice for us and to then resurrect and say, there's a newness of life for you that's available that can be demonstrated in the way that you mortify the flesh in the way that you grow in the spirit in the way that you, and that manifests politically. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a really beautiful humility and grace and joy that comes from recognizing how difficult it is for all of us, not just some of us to work through these things because all of us, not just some of us deal with that pride and sin. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a good reminder. I mean, I, and honestly, like, I think part of that desire for me that, that we would all stick around together and pursue this unity of Christ together is, like, selfishly, like, I, I genuinely believe I do not have the corner market on exactly how to understand the complex political dynamics going on in our country uh, perfectly. Like, I, I, I want to learn from you. I want to learn from one another. I want to strive and and learn together how we can clarify the principles that are non-negotiable from scripture and apply those into a 
complex situation and and it doesn't it yeah that doesn't work if if what we collect is uh is kind of a, a community of um lazy eclecticism <laughs> right that we ought to be pushing on one another passionately and and be trying to weigh these these different issues these different stones on the scale that are different sizes trying to weigh them together in ways that break our hearts because we because this world isn't perfect and the powers that be don't have any perfect solution um, and all the while clinging to the hope that we have ultimately in Christ so what what a so a, as we wrap some of that up what do you hope and Maybe we've already hit it, but what do you hope people will take away from the last five weeks? If you were to like say, hey, I just want you to remember this. Um, Me? Either of you. What do you, what do you think, Matt? Brian's given us a little bit of his. What, what, when you think about the last five weeks, what do you hope people will take away? The last five weeks or the next five the weeks? The last five weeks. I think the last five weeks, uh, again, that God-centeredness is mm-hmm. the thing that is 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 most significant, that we can engage in the realm of politics in our society with a God-centered worldview driven by biblical principles and honor God in that way as we engage um, engage in politics. Okay. What about you? Ben? Yeah, I, I, very similar. I think we had some summary statements in the first <laughs> sermon that haven't come as much, but they've been there. The idea, I think I said it this morning, of we need to be looking at politics through the lens of our faith and not at our faith through the lens of politics is one. The, the idea that how you uh, talk or discuss or think or relate about politics is at least as important as what you vote for. Um, and ultimately that God is there in the political world. And that's the God center. And to me, that's probably the most important one is that when you start talking about politics, you don't, you don't leave God behind and enter a space where he's not. He's there already and he's been there the whole time. This is his world. You know, he he he's there, and so the ability to not just um, to not just see that he's there as a kind of okay, cool, well, I can engage, but to see that he's there as you have the ability to to appreciate more, to experience more of the beauty of who God is and what he's like in this realm as much as any other um, is very important to me, and I hope that's something that's been that that that's people are taking from it. So as you think about, so as we think about takeaways from the last five weeks, as we look forward to the next five weeks, if people are feeling a little bit like, man, it's already been five weeks of politics, like really we're going to do five more weeks of this, I think it might be helpful to give them an idea of, of where we're going yeah. and how the series is going to shift a bit as we look forward. The next five weeks, um, the most, most of the, the sermons are going to take a bit of a different tack than the first five. The first five were really, there are just certain really pressing questions that we need to answer about politics. And a lot of them were phrased in the form of a question. And why are things so crazy? Is there a Christian political platform? Um, And we needed to talk about politics and then demonstrate how they're connected to God, how God is in the midst of them and how it it is a God-centered thing that we're doing. The next five weeks, for the most part, we're doing it differently. We're saying, let's look at God and now let's talk about politics and how that, that touches down. So as we talk next week about like the lens of love, this way we've talked about 
how important love is in politics. But we need to take a closer look at how does God show us what love is? How does how is looking at God looking at love? And how does he describe that? And now that we see that, we see the beauty of, of God's love in Christ. Now, what does that mean for how we love politically? How we love, you know, political enemies? And and, and what does that even look like? What does that mean? Um, so, so there's a way in which we start. Up till now, we, in a sense, started with politics. And then said, now let, let's look to God and see how he transcends these and touches down. From here on out, it's like, let's just look at the beauty of God. And let's talk about what that does. And so for, uh, in from how to love to how to think, um, how, to, how to love God with your mind, to the idea of power and looking at, at Jesus. And I mean, there's more there than we're going to be able to touch at all. But a lot of politics is caught up in power. And we're not going to talk about mm. political power. We're going to talk about what is power. And how does the triune God show us what power is in his economy? And it's his world. So that's the economy we're living in. And then what does that do when it maps onto politics? And how do Christians think about that? Um, the idea of e- eternity and hope and politics. Like, it's not just like, well, politics isn't ultimate. That's very important. And we talked about that. Now it's like, what is ultimate? Okay, now how does that reshape our vision of what we're going through right now? Like Those sorts of things. You know, what's the church? What's the community supposed to be like? How are we supposed, what does it look like to actually love each other and be united? And how are we going to pursue that? So in a sense, you're getting more of uh, the, the architectural drawings of something that you know to be incredibly beautiful and then saying, okay, how do we build this mm. um, in, in a particularly politicized climate? Cool. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Hope you're looking forward to it too. Um, anything else we were hoping we were going to be able to get to we haven't gotten to? That's everything. That's Matt has everything made no no animal noises of any kind. No crows. No nothing this time. I just oh the animal noises. Did I do that once? I feel like more than once. I feel but like I, don't know. I feel like there might have been a bird in the room at some point. I'm not sure exactly what <laughs> you're was, talking. It was about. that good. Yeah. Um, I I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that people are uh, seeing the vision that you can be faithful to Christ in a very complicated season like this. Mm. And that there's hope and joy in an area that there's often not hope and joy. Um, and I, I hope and pray that our people, I, that Cornerstone feels equipped to engage this season well. Absolutely. Well, we love you. We miss you. And we'll see you virtually on Sunday.